opportunity to volunteer in a national park in South Carolina. We committed to working full-time for three months, and the park provided us with an RV site. Bill got to, among other things, take people on tours and give demos of musket firing, uh, as it was a Revolutionary War site. And, um, and here's a picture of Bill with Ranger Adrian. I mostly worked in the visitor center. It was a unique experience, and I had some precious times there. But one day, I was standing at the welcome desk next to Ranger Adrian, and a big, burly white guy comes in and angrily har harasses Adrian for no reason at all except for the color of his skin and his hairstyle. <clears throat> I could tell that a Ranger Adrian was burning inside, but he kept his cool. The harassment was piercing, and the encounter still e echoes within me. At the time, I felt guilt for not intervening. What could I have said? What risks would I have said if I said anything? I don't know. But my reaction was to stand in shock. We had a good conversation afterward, and he said to me, Barbara, that was nothing. You don't realize what I go through every day when I take off my ranger uniform and go home. My heart sank. That's wrong. That's unfair. That's unjust. What are the stories from your lives, either those big life-changing stories or little moments like these, where you said in your heart of hearts, that's wrong, that's unjust, it's unfair. This is setting the stage for what I want to talk about today. We're in the middle of a series on public virtues. We're exploring the Christian virtues, as Pastor Bill said, that are profoundly life-giving, that not only help our neighbors to flourish, but also serve as signposts to that great and glorious kingdom that Jesus inaugurated. We're talking about public virtues. And I wanted to call this the signpost virtues, actually. We interact with the world, and our virtues should be signposts pointing to Jesus and his kingdom. So far, Pastor Bill talked about courage and humility. And because Pastor Bill was away this week experiencing justice issues firsthand on our church's trip to Camden, New Jersey, I get to share with you this third public virtue, justice. I want to ask three questions as we dive into the topic this morning. What does the Bible say about justice? What does justice look like today? And how do we do justice? So what does the Bible say? What does justice look like today? And how do we do justice? Let's start by asking, what does the Bible say about justice? Justice is all over the Bible. The word justice in the Old Testament is mishpat. It occurs over 200 times in the Old Testament. The word can mean retributive justice, and this might be the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word justice. 
the idea of that those who commit a wrongful act deserve a proportionate punishment. An eye for an eye mentality. Suppose Susie steals Sally's sandwich. Sally suffers a loss. Justice demands that Susie should remedy the situation by providing Sally with a sandwich or sandwich substitute, plus compensation for suffering, or be punished. Along with that, there is the notion that all people who commit the same act suffer the same, a proportionate punishment. That's what we might think of at first when we hear the word justice, like the justice system. At the heart of it, either in the Bible or as a general definition, justice is not just about doling out appropriate punishments. It's also about giving people their rights. Justice is often interchanged with the word fairness. In any situation, be it in a courtroom, a job interview, or a cafe, we want to be treated fairly. We shouldn't be judged more harshly because of the color of our skin. We shouldn't be paid less because of our gender. And we shouldn't have to wait longer for a cup of coffee because of what we're wearing. We feel we deserve equal and impartial treatment. And if we're not, we know it's unfair and unjust. All people were created in the image of God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness, no matter who they are. So justice can be thought of as giving people their due. So what does the Bible say about justice? First, the Lord is a God of justice. Deuteronomy 32.4, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Psalm 140, verse 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will execute justice for the needy. Deuteronomy 10, 17 to 18, for the Lord your God is, the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving, giving him food and clothing. Justice is very near to the heart of God. So if we were created in the image of God and justice is near to the heart of God, then justice should be near to our hearts as well. Secondly, the Bible tells us repeatedly to do justice. That verse that I just read you in Deuteronomy continues telling people what to do. They are to love the sojourner, therefore. And the reason? For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Zechariah 7.10 says, Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. The widow, orphan, foreigner, and poor, these representative groups are repeatedly referenced throughout the Bible, illustrating God's love and care for those in need, for those who might be oppressed or marginalized, for the victims of our broken, fallen world, 
for those people who are treated unjustly and unfairly. Justice, according to the Bible, is caring for disadvantaged people. The Bible even sets forth a few structures that help to do justice. One little example is Leviticus 23:22, where it says, and when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge. Leave some margin, leave a little food around the edges. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. In the book of Ruth, we see this played out. Due to famine, a Jewish family, a couple with two sons, left Judah for Moab, a foreign land. The sons married Moabite women. Then all the men died, leaving the mother Naomi with her two Moabite sisters or daughters-in-law, and one was Ruth. Naomi decided to go back home to Judah, and Ruth chose to go with her. They arrive in Judah with little means to provide for themselves. So Ruth goes to the field to glean the harvest, picking up the leftovers. The field belongs to a man named Boaz, who happened to be a relative of Naomi's. And long story short, Boaz redeemed Ruth and married her. The cool thing about this story is not only is it a story about redemption, but it's also a, an example of gleaning and a, an example of, of someone who cared for the sojourner, the fatherless, sort of, the widow and the poor, all in one shot. He was doing justice. So the Bible says repeatedly to do justice, and it even gives several structures for doing so. Some may view the justice as, ah, that's just an Old Testament thing. But the New Testament talks about justice too. We read in Luke 4, verses 17 to 19, that Jesus started his ministry unrolling the scripture scroll and reading from the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. And it doesn't stop there. It says, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus wasn't just proclaiming the good news in words. He lived it, he lived the good news ministering to the oppressed. He also wanted people to care about justice. Listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought not to have done without, or you, you ought to have done, excuse me, without neglecting the others. He's saying you're ultra-religious, but you're not doing justice. Jesus said in Luke 14, 12 to 14, when, when you give a dinner party, don't invite your friends or your relatives or your rich neighbors who will return the favor. When you go to a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus was all about doing justice. 
So my first question was, what does the Bible say about justice? My second question is, what does justice look like today? One image that came to mind uh, as I thought about this question was the game Monopoly. I'm sure many of you have played it, where you roll the dice and proceed around the board, either buying property or paying rent. I'd be curious if you love it or hate it. Um, I had the chance once to play a version of Monopoly where they changed the rules. Usually when you pass go, you collect $200. But in this version, if you're a female, you collect 10% less. If you're married, you get an extra $100. You pay $10 per child each round. One of the chance cards says you have an accident with inadequate insurance and have to pay $10,000. Another card says you get a divorce, losing half of your savings and no longer can collect 200 when you pass go. And the thing I forgot to mention is that at the start of the game, one player starts with $100,000, two start with $1,000 each, and everyone else starts with $10 in their pocket. Maybe you can imagine how it all plays out in the end. When you play this version of the game, it opens your eyes to just a fraction of the injustices in our societies today. Justice today is still caring about people who are victims of injustice. Even though we have Social Security, Medicare, welfare, bare minimum wage, civil rights laws, and lots of nonprofits that aim to help particular demographics in our society. We still have people who need care. We still have people who suffer injustice. We still have people who haven't had their due. We haven't ended poverty or injustice in one of the wealthiest nations of the world. Justice is not a switch we can turn off just because we have systems and particular laws to alleviate certain injustices. So what does justice look like today? It looks like something we still need to do. Which brings me to the last question. How do we do justice? Micah 6, 8 uh, asks, and this might be the most famous passage or verse on this, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your, your God? I know when I think about the injustice in the world today, I can get overwhelmed. Headlines bombard me. How can I even make a slight difference? It's easy to get numbed by its immensity. And when injustice is right in front of me, I can stand like I did with Ranger Adrian with my jaw dropped. So how do we get from a point of shock at injustice to doing justice? I would propose we do two things, and I'm gonna relate these to parts of the body. The first is to cultivate a heart for mishpat, for justice. If we don't have a heart for justice, we can't do justice. So I think the place to begin is to cultivate our hearts through prayer. There's a song sung by Brandon Heath called Give Me Your Eyes. He says, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see 
everything I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me a heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. That's my prayer. And I play that song when I need a wake up to have a heart for the ones forgotten. And I believe if I pray or we pray, the Lord will give us a heart for his people and we'll see places in our particular walk where we can do justice. What do you picture when the Bible says do justice? Well, my second point on how to do justice is to reach out your hand. To reach out your hand to those who've suffered injustice. Tim Keller said to do justice means to go places where the fabric of shalom has broken down, where the weaker members of society are falling through the fabric and to repair it. That's gonna look totally different for each person. Each of us has a different walk, different people and people groups we'll interact with and have a heart for. There are numerous opportunities we could get involved with where we can reach our hand out to those in need. In fact, there are quite a few people right here at College Church in this room and listening online that are great examples to me on doing justice. But I'm thinking of leaving you with just one tangible approach we can take in order to do justice. The journal Nature just published an expansive study this past Monday analyzing how some groups of people were more likely to find a path out of poverty. The influencing factor, friendships. Poor children living in areas where people have more friendships that cut across class line uh, found a way out of po poverty. These cross-class friendships, what researchers call economic connectedness, had a stronger impact than school quality, family structure, job availability, or a com community's racial composition not to minimize advances in any of those areas. Those are all vital. But the tangible thing here is we can reach out our hand and befriend a person experiencing injustice. I felt guilty about not intervening when Ranger Adrian was harassed, but I've come to realize that having a conversation with him afterwards, understanding his feelings, Conveying my care was a small signpost in my Christian walk. Our church team that went to Camden this week had the opportunity to reach out a hand of care and build relationships with people in one of the poorest cities in the Northeast, leaving a signpost. There are countless ways, big and small, where we can re reach out our hand to those in need. And each time we do that, we leave signposts. Sometimes 
and it's, excuse my Photoshopping, but you get my point. Um, sometimes there's signposts in our own path that might lead to other acts of justice. Sometimes there's signposts for victims of injustice to remind them of a God who cares. Sometimes there's signposts for a watching world pointing to a God who hates injustice and to God's kingdom that will usher in justice and righteousness. And sometimes there's signposts that lead eventually to opportunities for others to flourish. So how do we do justice? We can start by developing a heart of justice and reaching out our hand to those who suffer injustice that the Lord puts along our path. Tim Keller shares this story that's really a parable for us. It's a story of a wealthy older woman with no direct heirs. She only had one close relative, uh, a nephew, who hoped to inherit her money. He had been pleasant in her presence, but she had heard things from others that made her doubt her impression. The disposal of her worth was no small matter. She had to be sure that the person who received it would use it wisely and generously. So she decided to take matters into her own hands. One morning, she dressed in tattered clothes, appeared to be a homeless person, and lay on the steps of his urban townhouse. When he came out, he cursed at her and told her to leave and said he'd call the police. And so she knew what his heart was really like. All the nephew had to do was reach out his hand, and that would have made a difference. In closing, usually we read the Bible passage at the beginning before the, uh, the, the sermon. But today I'd like to read you the words of the passage. I'd like them to just seep into you as we head toward communion. Isaiah said, the people were complaining to God saying, why don't you notice when we fast? Why don't you pay attention when we humble ourselves? And the Lord says in Isaiah 58, 6 to 12, Is not this the fast that I chose for you, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go be before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you, sh you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall call and he will say, Hineni, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water. Those waters do not fall, 
and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Then you will be a signpost if you do justice. Amen.